The following podcast is scheduled for three falls and promises to call it Down the Middle. Hello and welcome to Calling It Down the Middle, the wrestling podcast that analyzes some of the hottest issues in the world of professional wrestling and seeks to call them down the middle because on this show we are all about truth, justice and being upstanding members of the professional wrestling community. Uh, I am one half of your Calling It Down the Middle hosts, Alex. And it's just me today. Um, Mike was unable to uh, record for this episode, um, so it is just going to be me trying to um, analyze our our three falls for today. Uh, We will see how this one goes. Uh, One thing I did want to start off saying is that if any of our listeners wanted to get involved at all with the podcast, if you had any suggestions for things that we might want to talk about, then feel free to reach out to us. You can get us at CIDTMPod on both Twitter and Instagram and down the middle wrestling pod at gmail.com. So feel free to uh, send us any suggestions for talking points for any of our three falls for each episode, and we'll uh, we'll gladly um, gladly consider those. So I'm going to start things off with the first fall for today, which is the new wild card rule on both Raw and SmackDown. Um, specifically, what I want to look at is ways in which this can work. So if you if you didn't watch Raw or SmackDown this week, Vince McMahon came out on Raw, started the show off by explaining... Well, I guess I'll go back uh, a little bit to, I guess it would have been... I don't know if it was over the weekend or during at the end of the previous week, but Roman Reigns on Twitter had sent out a tweet saying that he was going to be on Raw um, this coming Monday. And then, then the WWE responded. There was an official response, which I think they, I think there was like something on the website, and they obviously tweeted it as well that said, "No, Roman won't be on Raw. You know, forget about that." Uh, and then Roman responds saying, "Ha, ah, very funny. You know, just ha- just have my music ready." And and then Vince McMahon comes out and says, "Oh no, now down has this wild card rule. So up to three superstars from either Raw or SmackDown can show up at any given time." Um, on the other brand, um, for and 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 this was weird to me because I don't know the whole Roman thing was weird to me because why if that was the plan that there was going to be this wild card rule introduced on Monday did you have the official WWE uh, channels coming out and saying no Roman won't be appearing on Raw and you know and and, and if that was to try and throw the audience off the scent like why have Roman say that at all like if you if you wanted that to be like a surprise you could just have Vince come out and then Roman comes out after the rule is announced I I, it just didn't seem to make much sense to me it seemed like there was a little bit of left hand not talking to the right hand um that's how it comes across whether that's actually the case I mean who knows I don't know when that decision was taken uh, by WWE that that was what they were going to do so I'm not sure when when it came about but yeah so essentially 
now anybody can show up on Raw or SmackDown, even if that is not the show that they are officially a part of, which it, it was something I was listening to. Um, I think it was Adam Pacitti um, from Cultaholic when he was he was um, recapping Raw uh, on their YouTube channel. And he was talking about and, and really the obvious thing you, you look at it and you say, well, it's clearly going to be the big stars that are going to be making these moves you would think on a on a weekly basis so it's just going to be even harder now for the the car the the talent that is a little lower down the card to get opportunities to to shine and to build themselves up and yeah it it just it on the face of it it does not seem like a particularly great idea it obviously seems like it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to the um the reported downturn in ratings for both raw and smackdown of late and it seems like this is what they've decided is the way to go that's gonna it's gonna um bring back the fans and that they're going to be excited to tune in because they don't know who's going to show up um when i think all all we really want is just well-told stories with well thought out characters um one day one day they'll, they'll get that so assuming you know this wildcard rule goes forward what i wanted to talk about is a couple of ways in which i think they can use it to to good effect because i i think they can't just have it be you know each, each week there's people showing up and you know you don't really know who's going to to show up on on which show uh, i think that it needs to be thought out so my my first idea for this was to for it to specifically be a vehicle to bring somebody onto one brand or the other and i think the most obvious choice um although their future if you've been watching nxt television over the past couple of weeks um is a little unsure but that's the undisputed era I think the Undisputed Era was someone that a lot of people thought were going to debut post WrestleMania after, like after Adam Cole wasn't successful um, in in gaining the NXT Championship. It seemed like it was um, that was a likely call up. Obviously, it didn't happen, um, and they've they've had a story ongoing on NXT television where there's obviously been dissent amongst the ranks, specifically between Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, and. So I guess it remains to be seen. I would think if Roderick Strong was going to break away, you would imagine that Kyle O'Reilly and um, Bobby Fish would stay with Adam Cole and they would continue to be the Undisputed Era. I've not actually followed the spoilers at all on 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 the NXT taping, so I, I don't know how that does progress in the coming weeks. Maybe that has already resolved in some way, because um, I could easily see it being a swerve where... It looks like there's going to be a breakup and you think Roderick Strong's gone and then he comes back to help them out. Um, something along those lines. But but yeah, so I think the Undisputed Era would be, it potentially could be three people who are coming up and taking those wildcard spots. And I think that's how you would play it is you would maybe have some people maybe approaching the the McMahons backstage and talking about, you know, they're on Raw. Um, you know, Seth Rollins is like, you know, I, I really want to be on SmackDown tomorrow. You know, I want to get one of these wildcard spots. And and whoever it may be, Stephanie is like, you know, the, the wildcard spots are already accounted for. And, and maybe you do this for, maybe you do it for a couple of weeks and no one shows up. And so there's this big question mark over who is it who's taking these wildcard spots? And then 
not even using them and i think you maybe do that I, i'm you're going to do that to build the kind of the story of oh, who is it you know someone must be doing this you know it's building towards something and then that's when you have it happen and maybe you have it some someone will get to the point where they're getting frustrated and they will come out and they will call out they'll say look whoever it is who is who is taking these wild card spots each week i want to know who it is i'm calling you out come out of the ring right now whoever you are and obviously it's it's all three members of the Undisputed Era. Maybe you have it be Adam Cole, and then you have Fish and O'Reilly come out from behind through the crowd and jump whoever it is in the middle of the ring. Um, oh yeah, and I actually I mentioned Seth Rollins being the one going to going to ask about the spot. You could almost have it be this almost Shield esque moment in the way that you would have the three using the numbers game and um, to their advantage. So you have Seth being on the receiving end of that. Um, as opposed to the way it was with the shield, and so that's how you bring the undisputed era up. You use this as a vehicle to, you know, be able to move three people, um, you know, onto either Raw or SmackDown, um, or you just have them kind of floating, you're just showing up on on shows, and they, and they do a kind of similar thing to to what the shield did, and they you know, they just you know, use the numbers game, and they they um you know, they, they build themselves up, and they take out a lot of big big name people on the rosters of both raw and smackdown so that would be my my first choice i think it would be a good could be a good opportunity to get the undisputed era um onto raw and or smackdown and my my next thing my next kind of angle on it is i guess it's along a similar vein because as much as i say oh yeah we're just going to use it for specifically for the undisputed era i think it's probably unlikely that they would have brought in this whole thing for that one specific purpose and then it's going to go away again afterwards. That said, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if the wildcard rule just sort of fades away very quietly and nothing is ever mentioned. They'll use it for a bit, realize it isn't working that well, and then they'll just stop using it. So so maybe maybe that is what could happen. They'll, they'll have one kind of big payoff from it. But But I think regardless of that, if it's going to be around, I think it has to be used in a conservative manner. You have to use it for specific situations where you want to get person X onto the other show to have some kind of showdown with person Y or team X and team Y. You've obviously got the options with there being up to three, um, although I'm pretty sure on Raw there were four SmackDown people that appeared. But anyway, um, yeah, I think you have to be you have to be you have to choose your moments and pick your moments carefully and have it make sense you know i mentioned it a little earlier in in regards of i think what the what the wwe universe wants to see is is well thought out stories and characters and stories that are being told well and so it really it goes hand in hand here you, you need to have a story and have a reason behind these people showing up on the show that they normally wouldn't be on and i think that also means you don't do it every week don't have people i mean i can see that being what happens for the first few weeks of this but i think maybe you have that a little bit of that to start with just to be like anything can happen but then it's got to be used for a specific purpose for a specific reason to tell a specific story and it can't be every week or it shouldn't be every week or you know if if someone is taking a wild card spot you know they have decided they want to challenge this person i think what you do is then okay they'll they'll have that wild card spot for the next month while it builds up between you know the feud between these two people you know but but it's not necessarily someone 
else taking those other wildcard spots in the meantime and and if there isn't anything happening you don't need to use them and you don't don't feel the need to use all three wildcard spots because it's essentially it's it almost does seem like it's going to be the end of the brand split and it's certainly something that would lean towards it you almost wonder if if i said as i said it might be something that gets used a lot and then it kind of doesn't really get mentioned anymore that could be on the one hand that could be because they do not continue to use it and everyone kind of just goes back to the way they were between the two brands or alternatively it could be because it just gets to the point where there no longer is a brand split i guess time will tell which way it will go um we'll go on that so so how do i call so how are we going to call this one down the middle what is the what is the what is the way that we can truly come up with a a fair and just way to apply the wildcard rule that will help and and i think Really, it, what we need is some is just some anarchy. I think that's what we're leaning towards. Ever since the the brand split, that just seems to have been absolute chaos. With between the travel problems, the Viking experience, between um, between people moving after the fact, it just seems very much like everything is up in the air. And let's let's just call it total anarchy. And maybe let, let's have. Let's have physical wild cards spread out around the venues each week. And, and we, we have hilarious skits with superstars backstage hunting, hunting through the backstage area, hunting through through bins, hunting through the, the backstage area in gorilla, looking, looking on people's persons, attacking people backstage to try and find a wild card. It'll be kind of like the old hardcore 24-7 defense rules. It'll, it'll just be you can just attack people and take the wild cards from them so that you, you can appear on the next show. There'll, we can even have festive, festive, there'll be Christmas presents with wild cards in them or we've just gone past Easter. We could have had an Easter egg hunt with wild cards in it um, and we'll just have complete and utter anarchy um, with the rosters and, and that will be the, the end of the brand split and just everybody showing up wherever they want to. They'll go down to NXT, they'll they'll find find wild cards there and yeah we'll 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 just go with com- a complete and utter mess marking the end of the brand split courtesy of Vince McMahon's knee jerk reaction to some a few weeks of bad television ratings so moving on to the second fall for today and on our last episode we covered the women's money in the bank ladder match and we will now be covering the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. We are at something of an advantage versus um, the, the, our women's suggestions in that we actually know for certain who is in the match. Although I will say that both of our picks for the SmackDown, uh, SmackDown, the women's Money in the Bank uh, ladder match, who uh, I had picked uh, Alexa Bliss and Mike had picked Bailey, both of them are actually in the match. And honestly, looking at the field... Um, of who who else is in that match? I think both of those could be good shouts. So you know our predictions. I, I say we're not pre- no, we're never predicting. We're not saying what we think will happen. We're saying what we think should happen. Um, and always remember, Vince is listening. But um, but no, yeah. So we're we're in we're still looking strong ahead of that. But so we want I want to look at the the men's Money in the Bank ladder match today. So we have Braun Strowman, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali. The artist formerly known as Mustafa Ali, uh, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. Um, so th- this is the kind of match that I've always felt like it 
it really almost always needs to be a heel that wins it. It needs to be a bad guy because with the exception of, I think, John Cena made an announced cash-in ahead of time where he actually openly challenged somebody. I'm I'm not sure that anybody has since that. It, it's always, you know, it's the, it's the excitement of the run-in, the, the all of a sudden this person is taking advantage of a, the situation the champion finds himself in and is, is being the, the ultimate opportunist, as Edge would say, um, or be coined, be named. But yeah, so I my first pick... I mean, really, uh, bo- both of the people I'm going for are uh, as potentials here are are bad guys, and the first one probably probably one of the baddest in this field, and that's Drew McIntyre. I think WWE definitely wants to get him into that position of being at the top, holding one of ma- the uh, major titles, and and I think this this could be the way they do it. I I think that. What will most so what what I think he should do? I don't think he should go after Seth. I I personally don't think that Seth Rollins should drop the title anytime soon. So I I, I wouldn't have have him go after Seth. I mean that said, obviously he has a year to to hang on to it. But but I think the one to go for here is, is that he will he will take the briefcase and will actually move over to SmackDown, um, where he will will challenge Kofi. Um, I I think it's it's probably too early for him to drop it at money in the bank to kevin owens i i think he comes out on top of that just for me the way the story is being told i think kofi comes out on top there but i think maybe drew will be will be the next person i think maybe the way you do it is is drew drew wins wins the uh wins the briefcase he still shows up on Raw, and maybe you kind of tease a little bit of a thing. You know, Seth's here; he's the Universal Champion here. He needs to watch his back because I'm coming for him. I've got this, you know, guaranteed title shot in my hands. And but then what you'll do is you'll have the swerve where he'll actually show up on a SmackDown and cash in on Kofi, because I think that that Drew for me he's a good person to take that you know the heat that it draws being the person to to beat Kofi, and I think it kind of. It's a good way for for Kofi to lose. I think the story of him being kind of the underdog and finally reaching the top of the mountain to then have it have it be taken away from him in this kind of a manner. I think that's the right way to go with the story. I think that's the right story to tell from the Kofi side of it. And I think it's the, I think it's a good way to go for Drew as well. I, I think he he obviously he's got the look he's got a great look i think wwe are behind him in terms of wanting to put him in that position on the card and having him win via a, a cash in with the money in the bank briefcase i think that works for his character just fine you you could make the argument to say he doesn't need it because he's such a an intimidating big guy by himself but but i, I think it works i think he you know, he's he's still you know, he, he he might be the Scottish psychopath, but I th- I think he's calculated to a degree, and I I think it makes sense, and I I think he would be as I say a good person to take that heat beating Kofi. He's the right kind of person to just be like you know I don't care about the Kofi Kingston story. It it's all about me. So Drew McIntyre is is I think is a good strong pick for it. He's someone I could genuinely see winning it. Um, as I say, we we don't predict here on calling it down the middle. We we say what we think. Um, what we think should happen because if we're predicting I can kind of see Baron Corbin winning it Uh, less said about that the better perhaps my second choice though is not Baron Corbin Um, it would be Andrade so as I said I I don't think that Seth Rollins should drop the title anytime soon 
I feel like maybe Kofi will, but the beauty of the Money in the Bank briefcase is that whoever wins it can hold on to it for up to a year. I think Andrade is someone that I guess Vince has and WWE have started to really realize the potential of when he first came from NXT. I don't think they saw it. And then obviously he had the series of matches with, with Rey Mysterio, but I think that caught everybody's eye. And I think he, I think he is starting to get positioned in, you know, in a place on the card where I think he could be a future world champion. I think it would probably be the the WWE title on SmackDown. I, I don't think he would be put into that picture with with the Raw. I mean, I say I say the Raw and SmackDown. Who knows where anyone's going to be? Wild card, wild card, everybody. But um, but no, I I think it would be a long. I was going to say rain as as money as Mister Money in the Bank. But yeah, I, I think he would hold on the briefcase for a while. I think maybe what you do is you have him have the finish be he gets embroiled with somebody like Ali or Finn, where they're about to get it and he kind of steals it away from them, and so that naturally builds into a feud. And maybe you put the briefcase on the line. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need to. But I think you have him do that immediately in the aftermath of Money in the Bank, so he's not an immediate threat to either of the champions. But you st- you continue the build. You have him put on great matches with the people that we know he's capable of doing, and you build him up as this real legitimate threat because you know how good he is and and add into that the fact that he's got this briefcase and you build it over a um you know a little while, over a few months at least. So you, you build him up as that star that you you know you really feel like then when he cashes in he's got a very very good chance of becoming champion and and i yeah you know, I, I think it would be silly to to pick someone to win if you're then going to say they're not going to become champion i very much am thinking he would i think it, it could even if if kofi ends up having a long reign as as wwe champion i could see andrade being the one to dethrone him um failing that you know wh- whomever may be the champion at the time i mean we're going to i think we would assume that andrade would continue to play the play the heel character um so we would be looking at a face champion um, so, you know, who knows who, who that may be somewhere down the road. But as I say, I would have Andrade win. I would keep him away from the champion for a little bit, um, have him do his own thing to continue build, continue building him and, and then have him have him cash in. And he's very much seems to be, especially with Zelina Vega alongside him. And I think that's very much what you would you would have Zelina Vega would be the one carrying the briefcase. Zelina Vega would be the one picking the moment for Andrade to cash in because, you know, she's the one, she's kind of the one, she's the one calling the shots. She's the one in charge. She's the manager here. And I think that dynamic is very much established. You know, a lot of the time you'll have someone will be the mouthpiece for a superstar and not necessarily truly the manager i think this that's a relationship where it is she she's the manager she's the one who's deciding what andrade does and and i think you can have some good stuff between those two with the briefcase you know maybe you have andrade start to get a little frustrated he's like you know i want i want to become champion you know and and zelina is one holding him back and holding him back and maybe you even tease tension between the two um, but then eventually it will come good zelina vega will pick the the perfect moment for andrade to cash in and and become champion but if we're going to call this one down the middle, we, we need to be picking the person who, as I say, there's no point in picking anybody who isn't going to become champion. So we need to be picking the, the perfect person to to really be telegraphing it to say this, this is the person who is going to be, they're going to be champion. 
could be the WWE Championship, it could be the Universal Championship, whichever one it is, they will be champion. And and really, when 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 you start discussing that, there there is only one winner. It he he's the best in the world. It's Shane McMahon. You know who? He, oh, sure, he, he's going to be competing in a cage match against the Miz earlier in the night, presumably earlier in the night. But yeah, I think I think maybe someone comes comes down with an injury. We need a replacement. Yeah, we need to make sure that that the money in the bank ladder match, the men's money in the bank ladder match, still has enough quality in it to to really to really bring the show home. And I think the way you do that is you bring the best in the world into it. Sure, he's going to have gone through hell with the Miz, and obviously he'll have emerged victorious. Um, he'll have a few bumps and bruises, but you know, Shane McMahon, and he's got all these ladders to jump off now. It's the it's the perfect fit. I think you maybe have him go coast to coast, but he does it from one corner to the other and he grabs the briefcase on the way through. And, you know, really, you could probably, considering it's Shane and he's had to fight in two matches that night, maybe you give him two contracts so he can cash in on on both both champions whenever he wants. And, you know, he'll become double champion. He'll become champ champ. Um, Shane O'Mac, two belts. But maybe, I mean, you know what? Maybe, maybe he wins the briefcase. You don't even—he doesn't even need to cash it in. He, he's done so well. You just give him a title shot anyway. So then he hold, also holds the briefcase, and no one can cash in on him. That—that that seems only fair. I, yeah, I, I mean, as I say, if someone's going to go out of the match, we we need someone to come in and take their spot to make sure we we have the the right level of quality that we need. It, it's going to be Shane, as I say, that he's going to go. Across, diagonally across the ring to grab grab the belt, grab the briefcase, and yeah, there's um, there's really no no more deserving person on the roster. And well, that's that's two episodes in a row we've gone with the the flippant like facetious answer. Um, so let's move on to the third fall. And this, I, I mentioned this on the last episode as the sort of the cool thing that I um, that I hi- wanted to highlight from that week, and. It's it do a Bray Wyatt. I think the the Firefly Funhouse vignettes have. I really liked. I I just rewatched it actually um, just before recording the the most recent one from this week, and it's just there's so much potential with this. So much potential. Um. So I want to look at who who should Bray Wyatt's first opponent be? Who should his who should his first feud be? Who should he come back and and challenge who should he come back and attack whatever it may be and the the my first choice here is probably in in some on the face of it you'd be like why on earth would would you do this but there's there's obviously a story here and and that would be Braun Strowman of course Braun debuted alongside Bray Wyatt in the the former Wyatt family he obviously branched off um, and that was that was back the uh, when the brand split he he um he went off and and who who would have known back then that Braun would go on to be the the monster among men that he has but but yeah I I think this would this would be on the face of it if this was announced when this first happened Bray comes out and attacks Braun you'd be everyone would be absolutely mortified because clearly clearly Braun Strowman will will overcome Bray Wyatt and it would be same old story Bray talks the talk. Uh, he threatens. He makes all these promises, and then and then loses. But but no. So this is what this is what I would do with it. Um, honestly, it it's so difficult to predict how he's going to make the in ring return because there really doesn't seem to be any 
based on what we've been seeing, like how how does that character fit into a wrestling ring? I don't know yet, and I'm really excited to see. Um, I really hope it's good. So I'm not sure exactly how you would do it, but but what I would do is you know he comes out and he you know maybe we do the old school for for Bray lights out, lights back on, and there he is, and and he attacks Braun, and I think everyone would be terrified that Braun's gonna gonna destroy him now. But what I would have is we would play on the threads of his previous affiliation with the Wyatt family. And, you know, maybe you tell the story that, you know, Bray is saying, you know, Braun, I, I lost you. You, know, I know that you you lost your faith in me and you, you went your own way and, and you've gone on to be incredibly successful. And and I and I forgive you for that. I forgive you for looking out for yourself and doing what you felt was right, because I was a very bad man back then. But but I'm changed. And what I want to see happen is I want to see Braun Strowman get recruited by Bray Wyatt. Now, I don't know that there's going to be necessarily a Wyatt family like we've had in the past. So, you know, whether you maybe you you don't have it be the same way maybe you almost you don't even have it where they're appearing together but maybe maybe Bray gets inside Braun's head and he he latches his his hooks his tendrils into him to the point where Braun kind of starts helping Bray out but not really even he would realize that he's doing it but he wouldn't know why he was doing it and they would be interviewing Braun and like Braun why are you why why did you come out to help Bray Wyatt win this match and and Braun would he'd sort of look a bit, a little bit confused, and it'd be like, I, you know, he he wouldn't be able to answer the question. He wouldn't be able to give a straight answer, and and Bray would have really got into his head, um, and I, because I think that would really build into the mystique they're building. I think you know this week's this week's um, Firefly Funhouse episode with the 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 picnic at the end and these kids looking miserable, and it just it's this really kind of weird, but in a cool way. Um, you're like, how is it that Bray Wyatt has elicited control over these people? And I think that would very much be it. And it w- it wouldn't be a Randy Orton joining the Wyatt family, but this whole time it was really you know, he was just biding his time to, before he struck. No, it's he's genuinely got inside Braun's head, and you know, and eventually they will go their own way. But I, I don't think it would be a Braun Strowman turns on Bray. I think he would genuinely get inside his head and would have him as an ally as i say whether that would be as a, a genuine like you know, they're partnering with him being out there when he's when he's delivering promos it, it wouldn't necessarily have to be like that i i quite like the idea that he just gets inside his head to the point where braun's helping him and he doesn't even know why he's doing it um i think that would really add to the mystique and the you know the kind of eeriness around this new character, uh, or no, not even new character. This development in Bray Wyatt's character, and I think that was the one thing a lot of people have talked about post Wyatt family was we really felt like people should have joined him. He should have been able to convert people to his cause to join his family, and and I think that's something that I would like to see in the development of the Bray Wyatt character. So I mentioned the Viper earlier my my second choice for whom Bray Wyatt should feud with would be Randy Orton and what I would like to see with this is is not not bringing him on board he would definitely come out and on the face of it he would he would forgive Randy Orton but he would absolutely destroy him 
you know, he would atta- be attacking him backstage, interrupting matches, just beating him down. And it would lead to, I think you'd go for the gimmick matches, you'd go for the, the cage matches, the no holds barred matches, whatever you want, whatever you want to go with. Um, and this, for me, this would definitely be a case. And, and it's something you'll always hear me say with regards to Hell in the Cell. I hate that that's a pay-per-view because that should always be a a part of the story that builds up to a Hell in a Cell match. And this, for me, could be a feud that would build up to it. You burn down my house. Let's see how you could fare in my cell. You know, that's a terrible line. Don't use that. Vince, we know you're listening. Don't don't use that line. Um, but no, I, I think that that's something that has the potential to have that intensity that would lead to a Hell in a Cell match. And, and Bray has to come out on top. I, I I would love to see him vanquish Randy Orton to to yeah I think that would go a long way to repairing some of that damage from his WWE title run and that you know terrible projections on the the ring uh, that still didn't work um, to have him come back he is a different Bray Wyatt because that that's what you really need to hammer home it's the same guy but he has learned from his mistakes he has become more focused more intense. And the end result of that is that he is to be feared. He will beat you. He will destroy you, whether mentally or physically. Because, hell, if you if you want to have him convert Braun and then be Orton or vice versa, I love that idea. I want to see him become a true force in the WWE and, and be someone to be, rec- be a force to be reckoned with and someone to be feared. So how do we call this down the middle? So I, as I said, like I love the vignettes that I think they're so cool. There's so much potential, but potential is definitely the operative word that I would use because I am, I, I don't know how you, as I say, how does this character fit into a wrestling ring and a wrestling story? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know what that return in ring return moment is going to be um, because you would assume in some way it's going to tie in to the, you know, to the vignettes. I, I I don't know how you do it. And I'm worried that they're not going to do it very well. Um, there's obviously, I've, you know, I've mentioned it already on, on this um, earlier on with regards to the television ratings and how they've not been great. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, around the, around the WWE at the moment you know, with all the, the people potentially wanting out, the unhappy workers and the stories are sometimes not that great. Um, so I'm definitely concerned that they are not going to do this justice when it comes to the payoff. So I think the the only thing that you can do to maintain the level of quality they've produced is to never have Bray Wyatt come back to the ring. Just have him, give him an hour. You know, the Firefly Funhouse is the third hour of Raw now. And, and it's just have him do the vignettes, have him do this weird, creepy stuff. That's the only way I think that we can truly preserve this because right now we have we have this hope for Bray Wyatt. We we kind of have this moment where we're like, okay, everything from the past is in the past. Now we have this future laid out ahead of Bray Wyatt where he can do anything. He's this 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 not new character, but this this new turn, this new direction with Bray Wyatt. There's so much he can do. There's so many so much so many options and so much opportunity. Let's let's not lose that. Let's keep that. Let's keep that hope. Let's keep those opportunities by never having him come back to the ring again. 
and that is, the, I think, the only way that we will ever see Bray Wyatt treated fairly and with the respect that he deserves. And there it is, Sister Abigail. Good night, everybody. That's the end of the third fall and the end of our episode today. Um, thank you for listening. Um, appreciate that. Any feedback is always welcome, as I said at the top of the show. Any any feedback or any suggestions for talking points um, on the show, we are um, CIDTMPod on Instagram and Twitter and down the middle wrestling pod at gmail.com a huge thank you to the randy savages for the use of our theme song be a man hogan really really great um really great music if you're into professional wrestling if you're into punk rock check them out they are awesome the randy savages.bandcamp.com i believe their releases are pay what you want on bandcamp so so definitely go check them out and um yeah and support them too because we really appreciate them allowing um allowing us to use a, a really cool song So we'll be back in a couple of weeks in the aftermath of Money in the Bank. I'm sure we'll have things to talk about off the back of that. So join us then where we will find more issues to call down the middle. (laughs) 